0: That, that's in the that's in the row where the you get sprayed. What's going on with this? Good evening, everybody. Thank you. Oh, you're talking to her. Just kidding. All right, couple of announcements before we uh, begin here. Well, just one. These cards came in the celebrate Christmas with us. They're on the back table there. If you'd like to grab any of these and give them out to any family members, coworkers, friends, anybody, strangers, go for it. They're back there. So this is, uh, it has, it's basically telling them about when they can come worship with us for Advent. So we have our Christmas Eve service, which is at five o'clock on Christmas Eve, and then the regular worship services, which will be celebrating Advent as well. So that's what that's about. So grab those there if you're interested in it. And that's it. So good to have you all here. These are the non-traveling group, so many are traveling. So it's good to have you with us here on this Wednesday night. We're just basically here to celebrate Thanksgiving, not the holiday, but the reason that we have the holiday, which is giving thanks to God. So what we're going to do tonight for our plan of action is we will sing a couple of songs of Thanksgiving. We're going to sing 10,000 Reasons, which we have many more than that, to bless the Lord. Great is thy faithfulness, Jesus, thank you, and God is so good. And then uh, in the midst of that, we'll have a short devotional challenge. It will be uh, on Thanksgiving and why we give thanks as Christians. And then after that, we're going to sing, and then you all get to share some testimonies. And we'll let you stay in your seat even and just hand you the mic. So it's even less intimidating. So be thinking about that throughout this service. We'll have a time of testimonies at the end. But let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we come here together tonight to give thanks to you. In the midst of a busy and unpeaceful world, we recognize that you give us many blessings and many good things, but tonight we are here to celebrate the ultimate good thing you give us, which is salvation in Christ. So we praise you for that. We ask that you would help us to sing and worship you now, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing, Bless the Lord. here tonight to celebrate Thanksgiving, not the turkey, not the gravy, not all that kind of stuff, but the reason why we have the turkey and the gravy and all that is because we're remembering and giving thanks to God for all the many reasons, the 10,000 plus reasons we have to bless the Lord. So Thanksgiving is a time when we stop as Christians and we reflect on these wonderful truths, wonderful things that we have that God has given us and blessed us with not just as individuals, not just as a family, but also as a church. Um, And don't get me wrong, if you're like me, sometimes you can forget about all of the things we have to thank God for. You can easily start um, getting caught up with the busyness of life because it's quite busy for all of us, and you just overlook things like running water, warm buildings, church buildings, all that stuff, cars that get us where we need to go, good health, things like that. So that's what we're just going to do today. We're going to stop and we're going to reflect upon the different reasons we have to be thankful to God for the blessings he's given us. But ultimately, I want to point us to the ultimate blessing and the ultimate reason that we have in Christ. So looking around, we look at our church this past year and we have much to be thankful for. There's no questions about that. God has blessed us in ways I don't think any of us um, anticipated. Um, I was thinking about last Easter when we had, what, 30-plus people come down with COVID, and they're all still here with us, which praise God for, right? Uh, Not all churches can say that. Not all churches can say that. Everyone that they had get COVID made it through it. But as a church, we can say that. And so it's another reminder that we have much to praise God for. Um, Same time as a church, we do have, you know, or like every other church, we have problems. We have things that need to get better, areas of weakness and struggle, areas we need to grow up in Christ as a church. Um, but still, even in the midst of that, seeing all the areas and the ways that we still have much work to do as a church, we have much to praise God for in the fact that, by far and large, we have unity as a church. God has, through his spirit and through his word, preserved the unity and the bond of peace, as Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter four, and that's a rare thing today. So we have much to praise God for that. And our unity, it's not over trivial stuff. Hot lux, um, being Minnesotans, liking to get up Sunday mornings and sing songs. No, none of that. It's simply put, it's our theological unity over the gospel message of Jesus Christ and what is revealed in his word to us. Still, with all of that, uh, giving thanks to God isn't always easy at times. There's things in life that are challenging, and just life itself is challenging at times. And so sometimes when we're going through times of hardship in the midst of blessings, um, we don't feel thankful. We don't feel gratitude because sometimes we're in too much pain to feel gratitude and thanks. Or maybe as Christians, sometimes we just have been struggling in our walk with Christ, so we feel inadequate. Maybe we feel inferior, um, undeserving even sometimes of God's blessings. Sometimes maybe there's guilt in our past life that we still um, cling on to. It haunts us sometimes. And so, wherever you're at tonight, I want to share with us uh, something Paul writes for us. And here's what he says uh, We've talked about this text before, but it was a good reminder. He says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. I need the clicker because it's not letting me advance. There we go. So, what's Paul doing in this verse? He's comparing Christians to jars of clay, not the band. He's comparing them to clay pots. He's saying, Christians, you are like clay pots. That's what you are. And what do we know about clay pots? They're not strong. They're not expensive. They're cheap junk, basically. And they crack and break, and you toss them, and you get another one. There's not much value in the clay pots. It's typically what you put in the clay pots that has value. And so that's the illustration Paul's point is to. These clay pots are plain everyday items. There's nothing special about them. They're not like metal jars, which are very durable. These things break easily, and then they're discarded. And so Paul is saying, you know, Christians, you are like that. You're a plain old, fragile clay pot, so rejoice in God. Let's pray and go home, all right? Sound good? <laughs> no. There's more to it than that. Yes, we are fragile, and even though we are fragile, even though we don't have value in and of ourselves inside of us, it's what God puts in us that makes us valuable and powerful. And what is it that he puts inside of us? It's the power of God. That's what Paul tells us. It's God's power is put inside these measly little clay pots, which gives us incredible worth. Why did God do it this way? Why did God put his supreme, all-powerful powerfulness inside of little measly clay pots? Look at the last part of verse 7 there. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I don't know about you, but sometimes we can forget that. We can start looking at our Christian walk and think, it's all about me, I've got to do this. If I'm not, you know, picking myself up by the bootstraps and just heading at it, then this thing's going to be a problem, right? We focus inwardly and think it's all about what I'm going to do, but the reality is it's all about what God's done and what he's put inside of us, which is his power. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says this. He says, there we go. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's not the pot that's valuable, it's what's in the pot that's valuable. And it's the power of God. And so the thing we gotta think about here is can circumstances change that? No. Circumstances aren't going to change that. What about when our bodies start to chip and crack away? that going to change That are we going to, Is God's power going to leak out and we'll suddenly lose all of it? No, not at all. It won't. Why? Because God won't let it. This is his work. We must never forget that there is a divine purpose to our weakness. What's that purpose? Well, it says right there, it's to highlight the power of God. That's the whole point of it. To show the surpassing power belongs not to us, but to God. And the second we forget that, Either we're going to become extremely prideful, and if we're having a good week or month or whatever, we're going to be like, wow, look how great I am compared to these other clay pots. They have way more cracks than I do. Or if we have more cracks than some of the other clay pots around us, we're going to start thinking, wow, I'm so inferior. I have nothing to offer. Look what they have to offer. I can't do that. But that's forgetting the power is not within the, pot, not the pots, but what's within the pots, and it's the purpose of this is to show the power belongs to God, not to us. So let's never forget that. There's divine purpose in our weakness, and it highlights the mighty power of God, which is a power that was given to us through the gospel. And that power never fades or weakens, even if the clay vessel does. It doesn't matter how weak we get. It doesn't matter at all because he remains strong. His power remains strong. Second uh, Corinthians 4, 8 through 14, he goes on, he says this. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death For Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written. I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and bring with you into his presence. As a Christian, we serve a crucified king. He's a king who had all power, all glory, set it aside so he could come down and live to die. That was what he did. Which means the person we follow went through terrible circumstances. He went through terrible suffering, he went through hurt, he went through pain, and he went through much loss. We're gonna look at this in more detail this coming Sunday, but why should we expect it to be any different for us? John 15, 20 through 21, talking about persecution, says this, Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they also will persecute you. It's exactly what we're looking at in Matthew chapter 10 this coming Sunday. But The truth is, as a follower of Christ, our path is not identical to Christ's path, but it's very similar. In what way? Because where did Christ's path lead to? The cross. Now, we may not literally die on a cross as he did, but the point is the path of suffering was Christ's path, and therefore that is our path if we are going to be faithful disciples of him. Romans 8, Paul talks about that. He says, provided that we suffer with him, we will share in his glory with him. So it's the same path. this the path of suffering, the path of hardship. That's what this world has. Much of that to offer. It's not always consistent, thankfully, for most of us, ebb and flows, but we all will face it to some degree. And so right now, we're on that path of suffering and death. Death lies before us. We will all, at one point, barring Christ's return, we will die. There's no changing that. So that's the path we're on. However, just as Christ's path didn't end there, neither does ours. As God's children, hardship is on the path, but ultimately, as with Christ. That path leads to resurrection, which is the unspeakable joy that lies before us. It leads to glory. Well, what kind of glory? Paul says what kind. He says a kind of glory that we cannot possibly fathom. Here's what he says. He says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Right now we live in a world that is fallen, it's very broken, and this results, and as Paul writes right in that verse there, he says, our outer selves wasting away. But at the same time, just as a caterpillar must have its outer self be shed so the inner self may come forth as a beautiful butterfly. The same thing's true for us as Christians. We're being renewed day by day, and glory is what's coming. If your house burns down and you lose everything you have, are you going to be pretty sad? Probably. Probably going to ruin your day. But what if the day before that happened, you found out that you had a great-great-uncle who died, and he was a billionaire, and he left you $500 million, and that check was going to cash in a month and a half? How sad would you be? You probably wouldn't care too much. I mean, photo—it's not like we all our photos are all online, anyways. Now, so who cares, right? It's all replaceable. It's not going to matter. But wouldn't phase you probably very much at all? You're probably planning on replacing that house anyways. Is the reality? If you knew that you had five hundred million dollars coming, that kind of truth is what Paul realized about his future, which impacted his present. Paul looked at his present suffering and he realized how weightless it was compared to the weight of glory that had been deposited in his bank account, which was going to very soon clear in just a short moment. And he realized what was in him and what was in him was Christ. Could Paul see the glory that is coming? Well, no more than you and I could. None of us can see it, at least not with our physical eyes. That's the point he's making in this text. Which means we have to have eyes of faith to see this coming future glory. In verse 18, Paul says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. See, we can't see it. We have to see it with eyes of faith. And he goes on, he says, For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Uh, if you have ever have like a favorite movie, or maybe you watched an old Sports game or something of your favorite team, maybe an old Super Bowl game or whatever, but you know the point is you know the outcome of the movie, you know the, you know the outcome of the sports game. Are you going to freak out while you're rewatching it, knowing the ending, being worried if the hero's going to win and make it and if the bad guys are going to prevail? No, you already know the ending. Same thing with your sports team. When they throw an interception or there's a fumble, you're not going to have a panic attack about it because you're like, oh, I know, I know we win. Big deal. And that's how we need to view this life that we're in right now as Christians. We shouldn't get stressed out When we have spiritual fumbles, throw spiritual interceptions, we shouldn't be looking back at the mistakes in the first quarter of our life, fretting about them, because we need to realize, guess what? We win the game because Christ won the game. That's it. Period. And it's all about God getting to boast, not us. That's why he put his glory, his power in vessels of jars of clay. We have to have eyes of faith, and with eyes of faith, then we set our gaze upon that coming reality. We get our eyes off this temporal one, which is very soon passing away, very soon passing away. Sometimes when I drive by um, graveyards, Becky can attest to this, but I'm just like, look at all the people who live. Like, I, I can't understand this. You, know, you go by something in the cities, and it's just you know, thousands and thousands of them, and it's all people like you and I who had Thanksgiving dinners, You know, grew up as children, maybe got married, maybe had children became grandparents, and there's been generations after generations after generations who have gone through what we're going through right now. And if we're not careful, we can forget that this existence, this little time period of a vapor that we're living, is just nothing compared. It's one sand on the sea compared to eternity. So we need to remember that. In John 14, 2, Paul writes, in my house, my father's house, is Jesus talking. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? The question is, and how do we keep our hearts from being troubled? Or as Paul puts it, how do we keep our hearts from losing heart? Well, by simply remembering how good we have it in this life and all the things that we have to be thankful for, is that what we're supposed to do? Just count them up count our blessings one by one until we get up to a 1,000, and then, oh, great, it's better, you know, do we look around at other people and remember, hey, you know what? Their life's worse than mine. I should be thankful. No. We keep our hearts from being troubled by dwelling upon the promises of God. That's it. Yeah, we should be thankful for the 10,000 reasons that we have to bless the Lord. But ultimately, the main reason, which is this hope that we have within us, is why we should be thankful. So practically, what does this look like? Uh Basically, what it means is it means that we have to daily speak the promises of God to our hearts. We have to remind ourselves we're prone to wander, prone to forget, prone to leave the God we love. Uh, Promises that our head probably has already learned at one point in life, but promises that our heart easily forgets with its spiritual amnesia. And so we have to constantly remind ourselves of these promises and to remember that this glory is coming very quickly. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says this. He says, And we with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Now, whether our jars of clay bodies are breaking or not, it doesn't matter. The same result's coming for those who are in those graves I just mentioned, and those of us here who are closer than others here. I, you know, some of us got little children here. We're probably, a lot of us up here as adults are closer to the grave than children are. But the reality is, in Christ, the same result is coming. The same exact thing is coming. an eternal glory beyond our wildest imaginations. And here's what that is. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall forever be changed. And at that moment, those clay pots aren't clay pots anymore, are they? They are pots that will never break, made of metal. The reality is when we become unthankful, we forget this unforgettable truth. So what's the solution for worry, for anxiety, and for unthankfulness? The solution, as Paul tells us, is having eyes of faith, setting our gaze upon the unseen riches and glory that is coming. Riches and glory that come to us because Christ Jesus was willing to set aside his riches and his glory so that he might suffer and die for these clay pots. That's what it took to bring us his glory. That was the price that had to be paid. And so for us, we need to remember that the degree to which we remember this truth is the degree to which we'll be able to look at chips and cracks that occur in our clay pot vessels in this life and still, nevertheless, rejoice with both thankfulness and praise to our Savior who died for us. And he did so that we might one day share in his glory with him. That's a pretty remarkable thing. I think that we're going to share in that glory with him. 1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul says this. I'm to end with this verse. He says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And so this Thanksgiving season, I would encourage you to spend time reflecting upon these truths, remembering the promises of God, and rejoicing in the great glory that's coming for every single one of us who has put our faith in Christ. Father, I thank you for these wonderful truths we were able to look at tonight. And so Lord, I just ask that you would bless your people with it, that we would remember that this life is but a vapor And then there's all the glorious eternity that is coming where we will live with new bodies with you. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. You stand with us as we sing, Jesus, thank you. And then once we're done with this, we're gonna give opportunity for some testimony. So be ready for that.
1: See?
2: first. Are we supposed to stand up, or how do you want this to go? All right, my choice, so what am I thankful for? I am just going to speak about tonight and recent visits here at this amazing church, and we got here tonight early. My husband's not normally an early bird, and I think it was probably the first time, and we were the first ones here besides Pastor, and I think we were. Stephanie was playing music, and what a blessing it was that when people started coming in the door that they were smiling and familiar faces, and it was a very loving feeling, and it was amazing to have that feeling coming to church here. So I'm very thankful for the friends that um, encouraged us to come here, and I'm very thankful for Pastor Zach and your messages uh, on a continuous basis. Fill our souls and fill our hearts. Thankful for my husband hanging in there with me for 33 years, and uh, I just wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving.
3: I was supposed to um, give the message at uh, Pine River Nursery this morning, and it was supposed to be a Thanksgiving message. And um, she called me about nine o'clock this morning and said, "Don't come. We got COVID here now." She said so. So I wasn't able to go, but I have two verses here that I was using in the in the um, message, and it's uh, Ephesians five verses 19 and 20, and they, it goes like this. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, giving thanks to whatever happens to you even. I know I went through some really trying times last January, but it was actually a good experience. I was able to share the Lord with the people in the hospital, and uh, it was a great time. And So I, too, want to wish you all a thanksgiving.
4: You talked tonight about the broken vessels. Well, I got a lot of crack in mind, but I'm so thankful. My little brother is all healed now. This is a good, solid one. And I'm very thankful that he's with the Lord, out of pain. And it just makes me sad sometimes because I do miss him. But I'm so thankful that he's with his Lord.
0: anybody else
5: well, there's there so many things to be thankful for I go on and on and on but um i thank god for his grace and mercy and hanging with hanging in there with me all for many years and that he blessed me with this lady here that's hung in there too i shouldn't even be here now but the grace of god and her forgiveness her kindness her love um And then for this guy right here, um, years ago, my sister and brother-in-law went to church out in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and there's an old pastor there that still preaches on Sundays, um, Harold Salem, and Zach, I think, was still in seminary or about to be a pastor, and he said, Pastor Salem, can you give me some advice as I seek to be a preacher? He said, I can give it to you in three words, preach the word. And this guy does that and I'm so proud of him. Um thankful for he and, and Becky and the family and how just all gracious and loving you people are. So praise God.
0: Yeah, if you ever want somebody to be able to give a testimony of that it is God's power within us, have Dave and Christy start telling you stories of me in my twenties, so
6: I'll kind of piggyback off my dad a little bit there too. But um something that's kind of been coming to my mind a lot lately after just I've had several conversations with um some good friends and just tough situations um in their families with parents and um broken homes and just it's definitely something I take for granted at times that I came from a uh, you know, Christian home with two parents who love the Lord and set a great example for me and Stayed together for, what, 44 years? I knew it was almost 45. Um, And then also to marry into a family with Jeff and Terry, similar. Um, Zach grew up in a great Christian home with faithful parents who have been together now. How many years for you guys? 43 and 44, wow. Yeah, so um, that's something I have been thinking about lately and just very grateful for, just the homes that God has um, blessed Zach and I with our parents and families, and not a lot of people can say that. So it's definitely um, a blessing. Something I'm very thankful for.
0: No, I
7: should have. Oh, I guess I, you know. I, God is just so faithful. I love that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's so true in his promises. And I, um, I've i been looking back at my journals, and um, I, as you're talking about broken families and stuff, I am so amazed at what God does in broken families. And I looked through my journal of times of being sick for so long, and also um, my our marriage was very broken, and just a, our home it was a mess. And I looked back at prayers, um, praying for my husband, praying for our family, praying. Um, and I'm just amazed at how God has restored. And I'm so thankful for my husband and my family and um, this church family. And um, so we've been married 32 years, and. I just think back and how that could have changed. We could have divorced, and but we stuck it out. And um, it's. I'm just so thankful for that. And my, our kids and our grandkids. And so um, it, he is uh, faithful in all ways. And so I just want to praise him for that.
0: Anyone else? You have something you're thankful for, Lewis? No, nothing. He was reaching his arm out like he wanted the mic. <laughs> well, I'm thankful for this church family very much. Um, thank you guys for the Pastor Appreciation gift, for the card, the words of encouragement. You guys mean a lot to me and Becky. You guys make ministry easy, so appreciate that. Who else had their hand up? I guess I feel like the,
8: the most blessed guy in the whole world. <laughs> it's just the way I feel. Um, way too many to describe every detail. But believe me, I have lived an amazing life, and I have been blessed by the Lord all my life, even before I got saved. Because I have parents, godly parents, godly grandparents. Um, just totally amazing actually an amazing miracle i'm still here very true very true i'm a walking talking miracle and i praise the lord for it all I give him all the glory and all the praise oh yeah he's awfully dear dear to my heart i walk with him every day praise the lord got lots to be
5: thankful
9: Uh, there is so many things. Um, I'm actually going to go a different direction. During the message that Zach gave tonight, the one thing that kept coming to my mind is how thankful I am for the trials and tribulations and the challenges that God has given me because it's only made me stronger. And more importantly, not myself. It's it's the relationship that I have with God. Um, I'm in two wonderful Bible studies, men's Bible studies. Um, and so I was at one this morning, and then we have one on Friday here, but not this Friday. Um, and it's a highlight of my week. And it, it's just, there, there's not only such incredible relationships with the individuals that are a part of these uh, groups, but it's, it's understanding and learning more every, every day, every week, and growing that relationship with God um, it's just amazing things, just just like Doug was saying. I feel the same way. I've been blessed my whole life, and yet sometimes I look back and how I got through certain things I got through, it wasn't me. It was God holding my hand and carrying me along the way. Um, but without a doubt, those trials and tribulations have, have just have had such an incredible impact, especially these latter years in building and growing my relationship with, with God and with Jesus. So... I'm also very thankful uh, to be coming here and and for Zach uh, we've I feel like uh, we've becoming good friends and and we spent some time together uh, recently and um, and it's just wonderful and I thank his parents um, for raising such a great uh, great son and, and pastor but also for Becky you know because we I, we know you guys are dealing with a lot um, but I just want want you to know that you guys are incredibly appreciated, and thank you very much for all you do. So,
0: anyone else? Otherwise, oh, turkey time. About <laughs> you.
10: Well, I'm um, thankful for a lot of things. Um, first thing is God bringing me, dragging me out of a uh, life of sin when I was young, and I'm thankful for that. I'm um, thankful that a lady named Margaret Labar invited me for a McDonald's hamburger in 1983 and then invited me to church, and then I got saved. So it only takes a hamburger sometimes. <laughs> And thankful for my husband, Dave. Um, He's just um, so kind and loving, and his parents raised a good son, too. And I've been free, cancer-free, for 16 years now. I'm thankful for that. And I am thankful for um, Zach and Becky being here and being 10 minutes from us, and we can watch our grandkids grow up so I'm just so thankful for that, too, and so... And
5: for
10: each one of them. Yeah, each one one of the grandkids, and and our son, um, Zach, is now married and has a family, and we're thankful for that, too, because he went through many years of alcoholism and went through Teen Challenge and has been sober since 2011, and now has a wife and a little boy, so... I mean, it's a miracle <laughs> in itself. So um, anyway, thankful for all that.
0: If you didn't catch that, her son is also named Zach. So she has a son-in-law named Zach and a son named Zach. So just making sure everyone's following her there. So I, interesting enough, when I was a youth pastor, I actually got to know Margaret. Jack and Margaret Labar, and I actually got to be there with her when she had her stroke and everything down in St. Cloud it was kind of a neat thing how it worked out. Um, but yeah, great, great people. Jack is loves the Lord and great she's in heaven, and her husband Jack, is still plugging away at ministry, as hard as ever, so great people.
11: Um, grateful, thankful, and blessed are the words that have come across my tray lately. Um, God has been closing a lot of things for me, just shutting things down, and, um, but through it all, I keep thinking, he's got something different, he's got something better. You know, I left a a church two and a half years ago, guess what, I have this church now, that's better, um, And it's been very much a blessing to be a part of this congregation. Um, We ended up selling our home on the lake that I loved. I just went in obedience with my husband, even though I really didn't want to sell it or leave it. Um, And and I had no idea for how long, but God's already blessed us with a new home in Breezy. So we're 10 minutes closer to church. Um, But it's... And we move in there mid-December now. Um, He closed. I've been doing scrapbook retreats for 20 years, and that just, 25 years. And that just shut down this fall. And it's just everything is closing, closing, closing. But it's not depressing. It's not, what am I going to do now? It's just like, ooh, what am I going to do now? (laughs) Um, Just know that I'm freed up and... He has other things for me, and um, I know with since COVID, there's a lot of more eternal twist to living in life and what I do with my time, and so I don't I don't want to waste it. Um, So it's kind of eager anticipation, Um, but I'm very thankful and blessed.
0: Anyone else?
4: I want to thank the Lord for Nora. When she came in tonight, that sweet little thing came in like she owned this place. (laughs) And she went right over to the pencil box thing there, whatever that thing's called that they do stuff on. Yes, I'm talking about you. And she just looks so at home. And I just thank the Lord for that. You know, Judy, I got the same feeling. I just love all these little kids. It's such a joy to walk in and see every one of them. And little Ian, he opens the door let you in. He's such a happy little, go lucky guy, aren't you, Ian? <laughs> I love him. Lewis is good too. But these little guys just thrill my heart. Every one of them, and it's a pleasure to have children back in the church again. For a long time, we had nothing but old people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now we're getting all these fresh, cute little faces. I love you all, kids. God bless you all.
0: What? Did you raise your hand? Okay.
1: I'm thankful for. Um. Jesus answering my prayer when we were at South Dakota and we went to go check out this lake and then start hailing. And it was very big and it started hitting our trucks. So we went back to our camp. And then um, I was crying on the way since it was so loud and scary. And then told my mom if we should pray then we played, then it stopped.
0: Thank you. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, with that, thank you for all coming. Let's close with our closing song, Jesus, Thank You. We'll have Steph. Becky, you can just. Or no, God is so good. We're saying Jesus, thank you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness for us, your love for us. We thank you for this church and all the people you brought together, the sons and daughters of you. And so we just praise you that, um, for your love for us. We praise you for the fellowship that we have here and how sweet it is. And Father, we just pray that uh, this holiday season would be a special time for us as a church, as we come together to remember the great gift that you've given us, which is Christ's Son. What a reflection of your goodness that is. You gave your one and only Son to die for us. So, Father, we just pray that we as a church would never forget these truths, help our hearts to continually be reminded of them, help us to remind each other of them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. forgot. It's a good verse. What's the reference on it, Jacob? It's not showing for me. John sixteen thirty three. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What I hope that is. Christ has overcome it, which means we will overcome it. So God bless. Have a good Thanksgiving.